0: Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Michael, and I'm from The Honest Youth Pastor. This YouTube channel exists to help believers use biblical discernment in all aspects of life, and today we are going to be doing that by taking a look at a sermon that was preached on March 30th of 2022 from St. Paul's Trinity Anglican Church. Now, one thing that I think is incredibly important to say from the get-go is that this is going to be a sermon review that's going to be more on the fringes of what I would consider like progressive. Christianity liberalism this is not the norm I would I would say by and large this is the exception but I do want to show you an example of an exception from the very fringes of progressive Christianity to sort of demonstrate how far down the line you can go now there may be some people that say this isn't fringe at all this is normal in my city this happens all the time and if that's the case let me know in the comments below because where I'm from this would be considered pretty fringe Uh, in fact I didn't even run across this uh except for the fact that I saw it on woke preacher clips so you can check out their twitter handle in the description below because there's a lot of things that they show and demonstrate that are sort of like you you have to search for you have to look for out there this isn't something that you may normally run across now also something that i really 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 want to make sure that you do is because this is going to be a channel that's very small. Most of their videos have no views on them at all. In fact, this particular video that we're going to review today only has 331 views, and that is only because the traffic that's come over from World Preacher Clips. So, uh, as always, you're not, I, I don't want to send you here to bully or to be mean. I just want to use this as an example of what a kind of a fringe sermon looks like. So, this is what we're doing today. Uh, we're going to be walking through their sermon. So, make sure you're Christ like and not a butthead uh, and you. Use this for educational purposes to say oh wow this is really out there this does happen now We're going to be working through this sermon. This sermon was preached on uh, Trans Day of Visibility, and there are quite a few churches, again, that um, sort of celebrate this, that sort of use this day to sort of speak of this. And this is is what they're doing here at St. Paul's Trinity Anglican Church as well. Uh, We're gonna get into this. We're gonna watch the whole thing through. It's pretty short. The entire video itself is only 17 minutes and 58 seconds long. And that actually includes a song that we are going to kind of work through as well, because I think it's important to When you're trying to understand the theology of other individuals, whether that be a prosperity gospel preacher, uh, a Wesleyan Methodist preacher, an Anglican preacher, a Reformed preacher, like you, you need to understand sort of the doctrine that sort of is the foundational basis of where they're preaching from so that you understand what they're saying and why they're saying it that way and what to look for. In their sermons, and this is going to be very similar today when we look at this uh, this sermon that is I w- I would argue is uh, you know very progressive. It's I think that's pretty clear. So we're going to start working through that, um, and the link in the description below is going to be the full sermon without my commentary. Um, so let's go ahead and get into that, uh, and uh, it's going to be interesting. That's that's all I can say. So let's go. Here we go.
1: The grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all this service honors the trans day of visibility celebrated each year on march 31st this is a time for us to celebrate and acknowledge the diversity of creation as it is experienced through gender
0: all right so before i mean obviously we're not that far into it we've got a vertical video We've got terrible sound. So, I mean, again, I just want to say, once again, this is terrible. This is very obviously not a high-tech setup. This is not somebody that's got a ton of money, lots of cameras, a huge church. Um, One note on that, and I don't know if that's true of this particular church here, um, but what you will see, or what I've seen at least, as you look into progressivism and progressive Christian churches, the farther down the line they get, the farther they get away from orthodoxy, typically the smaller that church gets, and eventually that church usually dies out. Um, But, you know, I don't know if that's the case here, but these are sort of the indications, right? We don't have, we had somebody shooting a video in their, in their bedroom or their living room, it looks like so with that shifting to theology part like you can already sort of hear the language of there's diversity in creation and that diversity that god has made in creation is therefore also expressed in gender and therefore all gender expressions are actually an expression of god's creativity so we've already from the get-go spun it um into into something that scripture doesn't demonstrate Uh, but one thing we are going to look through on this sermon, even though it's a very short sermon, is the same thing we look to in all the sermon reviews we do. The first thing is, do they read scripture? Do they teach through that scripture correctly? And do they mention Jesus? So just as we work through this, let's keep those three sort of uh, check marks in line. So as we review this sermon, uh, we we are fair in in doing so, in looking for the same three things that we look through, or look for rather, in all the other sermon reviews. So let's keep going.
1: This is a time when we are challenged to move past the boxes that we use to define male and female, and understand that God has the capacity to create in ways that are more than we can ask or imagine. This is a time when we can give thanks to those who have the courage to live fully into the diverse Beings, God has created them to be. And so we pray. Spirit. Up-
0: okay, so she's working into the prayer. The one thing I do want you to notice twice there, she's talking about God creating people to be certain ways. What I found is, and we, and I've actually talked about this in uh, um, an Honest Youth Pastor Monday live stream uh, with Matt, and I'll link that video in the description below. Is that. There's lots of people that will start with this idea that create, like humanity started in Genesis 3, when actually God created us to live in a certain type of way with him before the fall. Now the fall occurs, clearly, and there's implications of the fall. There's implications uh, that are wide-ranging in, in, in how we act, what we do, just even the earth itself and how it functions. Um, that are all results of the fall, not results of God's initial creation of us. Um, so this idea that God created us to to be certain ways, whether that be uh, homosexual, trans, uh, you know, uh, straight, um, there's all interesting parts into that conversation because there are results of the fall. So, for example, many times you'll, you'll come across a straight person and they struggle with lust or they struggle with, Um, You know addictions of various kinds right you'll have addictions of various kinds within trans people LGBTQ people as well. But the idea is that you are not designed that way. That's not how you were created to be. This is a result of the fall and it's something that you now. Uh, have to submit, if you were a Christian, that you submit to Christ, right? So when you come to Christ and you understand who he is and what he's done and that he he is God, he is the Messiah, he has made atonement for our sins so that we can live in a right relationship with him, um, part of that process is sanctification and we're not going to get a ton into it today, but sanctification is the process of me laying down my wants and desires, um, and being made more like Jesus. So I submit things to him. So I submit certain, uh, addictions and preferences and, uh, ideas about who I am. I submit them to what he said about, you know, humanity and how we are designated to live as his, as his, his created beings, um, and there's a lot to that, but the point is, I wasn't created a certain way. Uh, there are results of the fall. And then he has given us his good and gracious word to live by um, so as to be the people that he desires us to be until one day uh, we are glorified in glorified bodies and we don't have to worry about those things anymore. Um, we don't have to worry about sin anymore. Uh, we'll be free of it, but until then, there is this struggle uh, of the flesh, of a struggle with sin. And that we have to submit to King Jesus, um, because He's our King. But there's a lot more there. We don't have time to unpack it. But let's. I just wanted you to listen for those words, because um, she's operating out of a theology that says that God created us to be a certain way sexually, uh, and that's just simply um, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, it's not true. So
1: of life and love that resides within and among us, we enter this moment with all that we are with an open heart and with a love for justice. We hold in love and prayer, all transgender people. We hold in love and prayer, all of the ways transgender people have survived and thrived in a hostile world. We hold in love and prayer, all who recognize the significance of gender justice for all people. We who believe in freedom will not rest until it comes. We pray for the dawn of a new day when the very humanity of trans people is no longer called into question or ignored. We pray that the physical, emotional, and spiritual violence will come to an end. We pray that a spirit of compassion and care will fill us to overflowing that we may have the capacity to listen, learn, and grow, not only in our awareness, but also in our willingness to act. We pray for all those who heed the call to support trans liberation, trans leadership, and trans visibility. May they ultimately lean into the light of truth and justice, offering hope to trans youth and adults. On this day, we commit and recommit to creating a world where people of all genders know peace, love and justice. We commit and recommit to living lives of compassion and care for all humanity. We commit and recommit to the healing work of relationship building that will help every person know that they are loved and valued. And we pray this in the name of the one who challenged oppressive systems and showed the meaning of unconditional love, Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.
0: Okay, so a few things here that I think are important to point out Um, first, there, there is a reality that the church has not done a great job of loving people in general in their sin, right? Understanding that um, we we need to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so as to do that, we are usually need to be the hands and feet of Jesus, going out on the great commission, right? Uh, you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus, not only preaching the gospel but doing the gospel as far as feeding the poor, uh, caring for the sick, things like that. Um, and historically, you know, depending on the time and the age in human history, we've done a better job than, of that than other times, right? So there's lots of hospitals that were established because of Christians, you know, going forth and actually establishing places to take care of the sick. Lots of homeless shelters and, and shelters to feed people have all been established almost primarily by Christians um, in order to go forth and, you know, fulfill the Great Commission and be the hands and feet of Jesus, now there's another side of it where sometimes, uh, depending again on the time of history you're looking at, we've done not a great job of making sure that we care for people as Jesus would have cared for them. Now there's there's a very interesting line to walk here on that because one way is you'll fall off on one side of the rope and the other side you will fall off on the other side of the rope either you'll fall off on like this full acceptance and inclusion in which the bible doesn't teach in which you're like your sin is your sin and you're accepted in your sin and the other side of the line that you fall off on is that you're you're terrible and there's no redeeming quality in you and there's no way god could love you and you're going to burn forever the middle line here that we see Jesus walk in the scriptures that we see the apostles go forth when they're proclaiming the gospel in the in the early church is this proclamation of come and hear about this Jesus that can save you and that that message going forth to the people. Um, and if they accept it, they accepted it. If they didn't, they didn't. But the point was that it was this proclamation of the gospel, this great hope uh, that they could have this freedom they could have in Christ, this reconciliation to God the Father that they could have through Jesus. Now, there's again, that's the middle line of not just accepting sin, but also not just condemning people out, you know, just, oh, well, you know, you're, you're going to burn forever because of this sin, whatever it is. This is sort of what she's touching on in this 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 prayer that she prays that sometimes the church hasn't done a great job of it, but she's clearly fallen off on one side of the line, which is just we'll accept all of it then uh, as a show of God's diversity rather than staying with Scripture and calling people to a better life in Christ. Uh, Now, again, that's not a simple message. Like, let me just say that now. One of the reasons people fall off on one side or the other is because that is ultimately easier. It's easier to say, oh, God accepts you as you are. Don't worry. You don't have to change. You can you you are created this way. It's easy to fall off on that side. It's also easy to fall off on the other side where you say, I don't have to deal with you. I don't have to live life with you. I don't have to have a conversation with you because you're damned and you're going to hell anyway. And it's, it's really easy to fall off on that side because now your hands are washed clean of it. It is a much different and difficult walk to do as Jesus and the apostles did in the early church did, which is walk with people, interact with people, have conversations and friendships with people that are uh, far from God. But as doing so, living out the life as Jesus lived as our example and proclaiming the gospel to people that they can be reconciled to God. Um that's a more difficult thing because that involves in-depth conversations that, in de- that includes walking with people through some pretty dark moments. That includes uh, opening up the word and, and preaching the gospel to them in pretty difficult situations that may break relationships up, right? So that's messier. That's more difficult. The second thing that she talks about here uh, that I think is important to note, and I'll throw up on the screen here as a screenshot, is this particular video is actually, and this is where I would say as a parent, just be aware of this. This is how videos are sort of categorized and, and, um, and kind of put on different apps. This particular video is clicked off as safe for YouTube kids uh, on the YouTube app it'll actually tell you that. I don't think it does it online if you're watching through the browser, but if you're on the app, it'll tell you if a video is safe for kids YouTube or not safe for kids YouTube. And if it is, it'll pop up with that little banner at the bottom that says you can watch it on YouTube kids. So what that tells you is that they have either intentionally or unintentionally clicked this as kids safe so that your kid could be on YouTube kids and this video could come up at some point or another. So just be aware of that. Um, That, you know, I think a lot of parents think, oh, we'll just get the YouTube kids App, and then I'll shove it iPad in front of their face and they'll be fine and nothing bad will ever come. Well, that's untrue. There's a lot of videos that will come across there that are not good. Um, but one of the things that could happen is this particular sermon would pop up. Not that a child would be incredibly interested in this because it's not flashy and got cartoons, but the point is it still could come up. Um, So just be aware of that because she does pray for uh, trans adults and trans kids. And so I think that there's probably a tie in there a little bit as well. So now she's going to get into more of the message part of it and the scripture part of it. So let's look at that and then we'll kind of uh, process through that uh, what we can.
1: A modern retelling of the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Now. Now. tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus and the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them so he told them this parable there was a man who had two sons the younger of them said to his father father give me the share of the property that will belong to me so the father divided his property between them few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country to discover himself. There he found people who understood his struggles. There he realized why he never felt right in his body. Among diverse and accepting people, he found the freedom to finally name the longing in his heart and become who she was always meant to be.
0: Okay, so this is the part that I really have to be careful, <laughs> because this isn't simply a reading of the scripture and then t- inserting things into it that are that are just simply not true, right? And this isn't exegetical, or this is clearly this isn't exegetical work. This isn't eisegetical work. This is just butchering the very words of Jesus and making them say something else, which is terrible and horrific and all of the bad things, all of the terrible things you can think of. This is what this is. You don't get to do this. It's bad enough when people eisegete things into the text. It's bad enough when they read themselves into every line of the text and make it all about them. It is, this is a whole different level of of absolute just disregard for the scriptures entirely, that she is changing the words of Jesus in order to read her message into the scriptures to make it say something blatantly different than what it says. Now, what she's referring to is Luke 15, starting at verse 11, it's the prodigal son. It's the story of the prodigal son. And I'm not gonna read it because that would take a long time and I'm not gonna do that. You can read that. I'll provide a link in the description below or just open your Bible. Many of us have heard this, this parable already. So as she continues, you're going to be able to pick out where this is wrong. My issue here is that there are going to be people that hear her that have no church background, that don't have a clue about the scriptures that um, that are gonna hear this and think this is the actual reading of the text because she doesn't even mention where she's getting this from. She just has a modern retelling of, of the Gospel of Luke. Um, she doesn't give any reference, so anybody can even double check. Um, Now, granted, there's a lot of people that have heard this story that are gonna know she's wrong, but still think that this is a good idea because, oh, she's telling in a new way. This is just a new way of telling the same thing Jesus was saying. That is categorically, fundamentally untrue. Um, I will leave a link to a sermon I preached on, the prodigal son. Uh, I'll leave that in the description. I'm not saying this is the best sermon ever. I'm not saying that this is gonna be world shattering for you or that you even have time to listen to it. But if you do, there is a lot, I mean, there is so, this is one of the sermons I did, probably outside of a sermon on Jonah I did, that there was so much historical context that needed to be understood to really see what's happening when Jesus tells this parable. Um, that like I learned a ton but just by doing sermon prep on this sermon because there's a lot of undertones within uh, the Jewish culture with with the Pharisees and with the with uh, unclean people that the Pharisees don't want to associate with like there's a lot of things happening in this parable that Jesus is saying that is really really pushing on the Pharisees uh, pretty hard but trying to open their eyes All that to say what she's doing here is, not even close, not, not even close. In fact, it reminds me of that Billy Madison quote. (laughs) It reminds me of, it reminds me of that quote. So let's get back into it, but I just, I, I just need us to, so let's listen to how she absolutely butchers this story in order to make it say something that it clearly does not say. Let's go. The
1: transformation time and resources. The gifts of her father were used to enable her to become new, to finally become whole. When there was little left, the world invaded the space, shaming the community, referring to their acts as dissolute living. They were scattered and forced to find their way alone. Few would hire her. She found herself in need. All she could do was clean toilets and the pay was not enough to sustain her. As she sat alone in a washroom, she remembered how gracious her father was to all those he employs. She pondered, would he hire me? Would he give me a place where I can at least survive? She set out, preparing mentally for the encounter with her father, rationalizing her request to simply be employed. She knew she was no longer his son. She prayed that she could at least find a place to work. While she was still far off, her father saw her. Though she had changed, still he knew this was his child. He ran and embraced her. She said to him father i have changed i am no longer your son can i be one of your workers the father stopped her and called out to the workers bring a warm coat and new shoes bring a ring for her finger call the caterers and let's party for this child of mine was dead and is alive again was lost and has been found and they celebrated The older son was working in the fields when he returned to the house he could hear the party so he asked a worker what was happening your sibling has come home and your father has called for a celebration because this child was dead and is alive was lost and has been found the older son became angry and refused to go into the house his father came out to him and encouraged him to come and celebrate The older son said, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. And yet you have never given me even a pizza so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with dissolute living, you call the caterers for him? And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this sister of yours was dead and has come to life. She was lost and has been found. Hear what the Spirit He's saying to the church.
0: All right, so clearly not at all what the, the actual text says. Again, I would encourage you to look at uh, that sermon. There's a lot of undertones there as far as the death alive language, as far as culturally how somebody was seen when they left, um, the actual shame that would have been put upon that, the, the younger son putting on the father when he left. Um, I think we've all heard of, you know, the whole living in the pig pens, eating with the pins. as far as where that would have put the younger son, as far as status wise. Um, there's a lot of cultural components to that actual parable in regards to shame and acceptance and death and life. Um, there's a lot there culturally, um, that really speaks to when Jesus is interacting with the, the sinners and the Pharisees come up and sort of confront that. And Jesus tells them this story there's a lot there in regards to what he's saying to them in regards to how God interacts with uh, those that repent, believe that come back that uh, have been seen as far off like there, there's it's an amazing message of repentance and grace uh, and. It's often missed because we don't know the historical context and how that culture works, but also oftentimes it's butchered, just like we saw it butchered here, in order to insert a message that isn't there at all. Um, And that's one of the things we need to look for, not only in this sermon. Again, as I said at the beginning, I think this is an extreme version of this, but it does happen in a variety of different sermons where there will be things read into a text, a message read into the text that simply isn't there. It's not stated at all. If you were to read the text straight out, this is not what you would have heard or what you even gathered because that's simply not the case. Um, So now she's read the text in sort of a a kindergarten-esque teacher manner, right? With the inflection and whatnot. Uh, One thing that I do wanna point out that I think is important to understand is that so? She's got a shirt on. It's a bear with a little bear underneath. The big bear is protecting. The big bear is black. The little bear underneath is uh, rainbow flag colored. Um, th- this tells you a little bit about her mindset. This idea that if your if your parents don't accept you because of the way you 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 feel yourself to be, then she will. She'll become your mama bear if your mama bear doesn't accept you. This does two things. One, this does give us a little bit of insight into how she thinks um, that, you know, it's apparently totally cool to rebel against your parents and rebel against the scriptures, but she'll protect you and she'll give you a gospel. Clearly, she'll give you a gospel that that caters to your belief system, even if that's not what the gospel says. Um, But two, um, it gives us an idea of sort of how she's coming at scripture there's already a lens on her eyes to read scripture in a certain way. It not only read it that way to change it. Like, I don't want us to just skim over this as if it's like, Oh, well, you know, she's nuts. So of course she did this. I'm not saying she's crazy. I'm saying that she deliberately changed the scriptures to insert things that are not there in order to proclaim a message that isn't, uh, that wasn't the point. Of the parable jesus was teaching so let's let's see how she sort of works through this then works this out um and sort of reasons through why this was an acceptable way to read this scripture
1: thanks be to god
0: okay so this is the uh she's not going to reason through it i forgot this is the middle thing now this is like a bonus feature to this entire sermon review okay So they are going to sing a song. We are going to break this song down. So not only are we getting sort of this sermon review, we have this bonus music hymn video thing that we get to go through that then gives us more insight into how this particular church thinks. And again, I'm not saying that this is how all progressive Christian churches process things, but... I would say that this is very close, if not almost entirely, how how most Christian or progressive Christian churches process theology. So, I'm going to stop this a lot. If you want to watch the whole music, if you want to watch this whole thing without me stopping this and going, again, links in the description. You can find it at minute mark eight minute and twenty six seconds. But I am going to stop and go with this thing because there's so much in here that needs to be broken down, so that we understand the what this belief system is, progressive Christianity, and I'll say this again, uh, and I don't know if I've ever said this outright, but here we go. Progressive Christianity is an entirely different religion than what I would consider Orthodox Christianity, not Orthodox church, but Orthodox Christianity as in correct teaching that has been passed down through the saints. Okay. This is a totally different animal. It has a similar name. It says similar words. It, it, it moves in a similar way it's an entirely different species okay so and this i think is going to demonstrate that pretty well so let's let's go uh hear some of this song Come on. Okay, so we'll stop that. God of many genders, our world reflects you. So we've now not only um, taken what God has revealed to us in Scripture, as Him re- being referred to as God the Father, and now went to God of many genders. Now again, I, I, if, you, if you explore kind of theology, systematic theology books, what you're going to know is God isn't gender, but God does give us a, a way in which to refer to Him, and it is as Father um, and then we have Jesus come as the son, as a, as, as a male, right? So this idea that uh, God is many genders is, is, again, doing the same thing that she did with the text, which is reading something into the text that isn't there. Um, throughout time, the, the creeds, the councils, all of these things took great time and discernment and tried to say, how do we word these things in an adequate way as uh, as it's seen in scripture and has been passed down to us through the apostles and they didn't just decide these things flippantly it took time and a lot of discussion and debate and and referring to scripture and being in prayer on this because they're like we we want to get this correct we don't want to get this wrong because it does have implications to how you you live your life what your theology is does impact how, how you live it out. So this idea, again, this is this is reading something on top of what scripture has already told us about who God is and how he interacts with his creation. Let's keep going. Real quick, this is an argument that, uh, I don't know how recent it is, but it is an argument in regards to gender fluidity. In case you haven't heard it, here you go, just in case you come across it. The idea is that God created day and night, which would they would define as like male and female. But in between, we have dusk, we have sunrise, we have, you know, we have morning, right? The idea that these things are they cross over and there are there's a spectrum uh, of as far as the day goes. And then they read into that idea that, well, if there's a spectrum in how God created things, then there must be a spectrum not only in the created order as far as that we live in on the earth, but also in us. So where there is day and night, there is also dusk, dawn, and all of the in-between. And therefore, if there's male and female, then there must be in-betweens of that as well on a spectrum. And again, one of the things that I think is entirely uh, important for us to do is to take the scriptures and say, what have we been told in regards to uh, w- what is right, what is wrong, and how to live as kingdom people in this this present time? And not to read things on top of, of, of sort of observations that we have. Now, again, this is done by everyone, and we have to be very careful to not read ourselves on into the text, but also not to read our ideas onto sort of what the scripture says. And this would be a great example of us reading, trying to reason out how this works, uh, instead of saying, well, God has defined it this way, we are to submit to his right rule and his right law. And instead of doing that, we then try to reason out how we can still do certain things and live certain ways. And we do so by using his very created order in a way that it wasn't meant to be used to then reason ourselves into, well, this is okay then, because he made dusk and dawn, so then he must also have made a, a fluidity in all other things. Um, it is a stretch to, to say the least. Let's keep going.. So this is important as well, God of many names. Now, I can't confirm this, but my guess would be what they mean by God of many names is that this isn't just... Uh, you know, Jesus centric. This isn't just Jesus exclusive. Jesus is not the only way to the father uh, is what this is telling me that God has many names. God, there's many ways to God. And this isn't Jesus is the only way to the father there. He is one of the ways to the father would be my guess in what's being said here and the other things presented within this, um, this sort of thinking, this sort of theology, because again, I mean, let's go back. Theology has implications. If there is a fluidity within God's creation, why not then take that to the next level and say, well, there's a fluidity in how you get to him? So maybe Jesus is one way for this person, but, uh, you know, it's another way for another individual. And then you just, again, the logical conclusion to this is just ambiguity to the furthest extent. Um, and then you just kind of live in. Live in that ambiguity, so let's keep going. not quite sure what this is talking about. My guess again, is that we're just because of the sort of church that we're talking about here, the theology that is coming out of this, um, and the fact that they're preaching on the trans day of visibility. My, my guess is that they're talking about that, you know, God comes in many shapes and forms and, um, that then that then makes a lot of other things acceptable. This could be also sort of a, a, head, nod, a head nod social justice wise to like ableism, uh, it could be that, I don't think that's probably what they're doing just because of the, the day that this is being done on, but it could also be that as well, sort of this tipping the hat uh, as well to acknowledge that there are many different types of people uh, and therefore they're interjecting that also into this idea uh, of God of many bodies. But again, as this with the other lines that we've had here, there's no scriptural backing. There's things that we've had to skew in order to get to this point. So let's keep going. Shifting,
2: worry,
1: profess our faith. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and the great commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Let us pray.
0: Okay, so she's about to end this, but the idea, um, again, what you've heard a lot, and probably what you'll continue to hear, is a misrepresentation of love your neighbor. Um, this idea that loving your neighbor only comes in the form of accepting um, what they say is true for them. Uh, and if you don't do that, then you're not loving your neighbor. This is also skewed in a variety of different other cultural examples and experiences that if you don't do this or that, then you clearly don't love your neighbor. The idea here, even if we look at the passage, how it's used by Jesus, is this idea that you are caring for other individuals, that you are um, treating others as you would like to be treated, right? This is the, 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 the essence of this, that you're loving them in the same way that you would love yourself. As far as caring for yourself and and, and those those sort of things. And there is some process that needs to be done through that that the church within the last four or five years hasn't done real great and probably before that hasn't done real great. But it also does not uh, indicate that one can just make a blanket statement of acceptance and inclusion based upon that verse because you also have to take into account that that verse was is is within a context of other things that god has said to his people and then that also influences what that love your neighbor looks like and means so we could have a much larger discussion on that we don't we don't have time to do that we're not going to do that um but just note that oftentimes the love your neighbor as yourself uh is taken to um to places that it is never intended to take people to
1: In honor of the International Transgender Day of Visibility, we pray to God responding, hear our prayer following God of generous hospitality. God of kaleidoscopic love, we give thanks this day for the wonder and diversity of your creation, and especially for the glorious gender diversity of humanity created in your image. God of generous hospitality, hear our prayer. We pray for those in need, for a deeper understanding of your joy and purpose for all of us, and for the fulfillment of your vision of dynamic unity in which there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus.
0: Okay, so this is an important thing to stop and note because this is often used also in an incorrect manner. Um, so Paul uses this, this sort of listing twice. I believe once in Ephesians and I think another time in Galatians, though I could be wrong on those accounts. The point, though, in doing so is that he is indicating that there is nothing that gets you closer to God, right? So, whether you be Jew or Greek, you have equal access to the Father through Jesus. Whether you be male or female, you have equal access to the Father through Jesus. Whether you be slave or free, you have equal access to the Father through Jesus. This is not the tearing down of, of sort of nationalities or of gender or of class. This is not what is occurring, clearly. Um, now the idea within the church that not only Paul expresses here, or we see Jesus and the apostles expressed in the early church, though the apostles clearly do have a process where they're, they're having to try to process through this a bit, but we see Paul definitely telling the churches that there isn't this distinction within the church as there is in the world, right? He, he usually covers covers this in a way of like uh, rich poor, right? Uh, That divide. But even when he's addressing the subject of like, you know, as you interact as the body of Christ, you don't have the, um, the, these dividers that the world usually uses in order to divide people up into sort of some hierarchy system as far as the, the rich don't get a better seat in church, right? Uh, than the poor dude do. doesn't mean the poor sit in the back all the time. It's that you guys are a family and you operate as that family. So whether you be Jew or Greek, the idea is that you don't get a, a better, a better seat in church or a better place in church. Uh, same thing with male or female. Uh, Paul, when he speaks, he's echoing a lot of Jesus's words in regards to um, husbands are supposed to treat their wives as uh, they treat themselves, which is not a common concept within the Roman Greek culture, um, and this is dynamically different when Paul speaks of it and how husband, wives, and husband uh, or husband husbands and wives are to interact with each other uh, as believers, and this is. Th- like revolutionary within the early church and how they then they they then work together and how they live together. This is not, however, a uh, a dissolving of these categories, rather a proper way to operate within these categories. And oftentimes this verse is used as a way to say, oh well, look, this is, you know, even Paul said, all of these things are dissolved. these aren't these aren't categories anymore. And that's clearly within context not what he's saying. Uh, but this is verse is often used in a way to twist uh, his words to fit a certain narrative that simply isn't there. So I just need to stop and say that because it's almost always used in the incorrect way.
1: We celebrate the work of your grace in making us new creations. Help us come home to your peace and enable others to be at home with you, with themselves and with all that you have created. God of generous hospitality, hear our prayer. We pray for our welcoming hearts and arms to embrace. Like the father in the Jesus story, who rushed out to meet his offspring with your profound mothering love, enable us to let go of our inherited prejudices and inhibitions we may joyfully receive one another's diverse gifts and thus be fully reconciled and renewed together in your love. God of generous hospitality.
0: So again, word usage is important. What she's using there, those words of prejudices, um, is, is meant to portray a type of relationship. Um, whereas the scripture says, this is the right, right way to live. Uh, With uh, as far as God's people and how how we operate, the idea is that if you live or or proclaim that way, the way that God has proclaimed for his people to live, that then that is a prejudice that you have to get rid of. That and again, she wouldn't think that I I, I would, I think I go out on the limb here and say that she's not going to think that the scriptures actually say that. So she is then saying that that is a prejudice that you should get rid of, Um, whereas the gospels would say this is God's standard that we all need to submit to. Um, and that, that distinction is important uh, to recognize.
1: Here, our prayer. We pray for the church, that it may fully recognize, affirm, and celebrate the lives, bodies, and gifts of its gender diverse members. Enable the body of Christ to support those who suffer, to enable those who seek to thrive and to employ all that is fruitful in joyful ministry, welcoming all fresh insights into what it is to become a new creation in God's love. God of generous hospitality, hear our prayer. We pray for our wider communities and world, that they too may embrace the gifts of gender diversity. We ask for a true spirit of listening and commitment to the real needs for gender diverse peoples on the part of politicians, media, and other opinion formers. We particularly pray for trans people in Florida, Idaho, Missouri, Iowa, Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee, Arizona, Alaska, Alabama, Louisiana, and all other places who are passing discriminatory legislation against trans people. Open their hearts to love, not hate. Strengthen those whose bright light, rather than heat, and lift the clouds of ignorance, fear, and oppression.
0: So one of the things that we see here is sort of what I pointed out at the beginning, right? There are ways for um, the church to love individuals, regardless, I mean, again, if you want to step outside of the trans day of visibility and trans people specifically, but just love people while also proclaiming the gospel, there are ways to do this, right? Great examples of this of people that I know, are those that that take people to doctor's appointments that take people to work that drive them to appointments that are there and provide meals and conversation and discussion, right? There are there are ways to interact with individuals that you disagree with, in a very human way, in a hands and feet of Jesus sort of way, in order to show them that there, is, uh, there are people that love them, that want the best for them. Um, now, that definition, and this is where it shifts a bit, that definition of best is going to differ, right? There, are, uh, there is a distinct difference between what God says is best for our lives versus what we often pursue as best for our lives, right? Outside of gender and sexuality, specifically, that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways in far as what we do and how we act and the things we say. That does not negate, however, that God has laid out a plan and a purpose and a way to live uh, that he, does, he wants us to do. However, we're not going to see that plan. We're not going to see that purpose unless we know who Jesus is, unless we, our eyes have been opened by the Holy Spirit to be able to see and understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us as far as atoning for our sins and making a, uh, the ability for us to have a right relationship with God the Father uh, available. So in that process of having those conversations, I do think that we as believers can do a better job of not only with trans individuals but with all people that are far from god um of of saying hey you know do you need a ride do you need Uh, you know, a ride to work? Do you need a recommendation for work? Do you need, you know, whatever it is, doing the everyday hands and feet sort of things for individuals to show that there is a need that you see that needs fulfilled. And you as a believer in Jesus are there to fulfill that need within the, the boundaries of scripture to help and to love and to be there for people that need people there for them. Um, and all the while preaching the gospel that there is a better way uh, and this way is found in who Jesus is. Again, I think oftentimes uh, we are so apt to fall off one side or the other because it's easier to either fully include and accept or to just to distance and uh, have disdain rather than walk that difficult line of having those friendships with those difficult conversations and those difficult conversations Messy sort of interactions that, you know, all humans have with one another. It's easier to do one or the other. But as as, as Jesus people, we are called to walk that uh, that line in order to, to to have that hand out to be the hands and feet of Jesus while also uh, proclaiming the gospel. Of, of a better way that is found in him. So that I think that needs to be known. Now we're almost done here. We got about three minutes left, roughly. Let's have her wrap this up and then we'll wrap the sermon review up.
1: God of generous hospitality, hear our prayer. We pray for all transgender people who struggle with mental health challenges and rejection, particularly those who have been rejected by family and other loved ones. We give thanks for those who minister with them, For families and loved ones who are supportive, for informed and caring health professionals, for life-giving support networks, agencies, individuals, and above all, for gender-diverse people who walk in solidarity. God of generous hospitality, hear our prayer. God of kaleidoscopic love, we give thanks for all those who have gone before us especially our gender diverse forebears who are numbered among the saints inspired by their love faith and courage grant that we and all your people may come home to your abiding love knowing your peace strength and joy and flourish more fully in your eternal presence help us to build a world that lifts up and celebrates each person as a beloved child of god god of generous
0: also, one thing there that I think is important to note, uh, I've made the meme and reposted it a few times, but there's this there's this very um, odd confusion about being a child of God versus being created by God. So I'll break it down really quick for you because we have a little bit of time to do that. Um, everyone is made in the likeness of the image of God. We all have the Imago Dei, so there is value and worth in humanity, This is why Christians would say that abortion is wrong because it destroys the Imago Dei. It is murder. Uh, this is why Christians should also care for the poor and the needy and the widow and the orphan because there is value in humanity regardless of whether they believe in Jesus or not because they've been created in the image and likeness of God and therefore have dignity and, and value. There's a distinct difference, though, between having the Imago Dei and being a child of God, having been adopted into the family through uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and belief in him. That is a distinct difference um, of being a child of God versus one that is simply created by God. Uh, one that is a child of God is in the family of God, has the inheritance that is passed down to the people of God. Through belief in Jesus Christ, and there is a distinction there, there is a difference there, um, in in wording. But oftentimes those two things get convoluted, and there's this idea that everyone's a child of God. Well, that's simply not the case. Uh, you become a child of God, you are adopted into the family when you believe in Jesus Christ. That does not mean that you don't have value or worth or dignity outside of that, because you do bear the, the image of God. But um, there, there is a distinguished difference uh, between that. So if I can find that meme, I'll link it in the descriptions. Uh, but I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. It's a pretty old meme. But there, there is a distinction there uh, as well. So uh, let me see here. Two minutes. Let's go finish it up.
1: Hospitality. Hear our prayer. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who honored each person's beauty and humanity. Amen. Gathering our prayers into one, let us pray as our Savior has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Loving source and light of all creation, your life and wisdom is gloriously revealed in gender diversity and in the kaleidoscopic beauty of human difference. We give you thanks for gender diverse people. Bless them with assurance of your love. Grant them strength and joy in their lives, bodies, and relationships, and enable everyone to celebrate their gifts so that all may flourish and live as full and equal expressions of embodied love. We pray in the power and mystery of your presence and peace. Amen.
0: Okay, so what you see here is that um, there are semblances of Christianity sprinkled in here. So we have the Lord's Prayer, for example, sprinkled in. We had the the parable of the prodigal son sprinkled in. We had a hymn-esque thing, even though there were words there that were distinctively not Christian, sprinkled in. And this is what you'll see, is that there there will be, especially within certain branches of, a, of, of progressive Christianity, that will hold on to aspects of Orthodox Christianity, as far as by name, maybe not by definition, um, in order be, to to have some sort of semblance of structure. Because this is where they came from, and they don't want to give it all up. They just they want to keep the parts that they want, right? Jesus, as example... Uh, as an example to us is a pretty big thing that they take over. So he's usually our example, but he's not our king. He's our example, but he's not somebody that we submit to. He is one way or he is one of the ways, not the way, right? Uh, And you'll see that within the language and the structuring of how the message are structured or how the songs are structured. So there will be semblance in there, right? So the first thing we talk about in regards to do they read scripture? Well, yeah, there was definitely scripture read. Uh, The Lord's Prayer was probably what I would consider the scripture being read. The prodigal son thing was completely butchered. Uh, Was that scripture explained? Well, clearly not. And then was Jesus mentioned? And he is mentioned. And what you will always see is that Jesus is typically mentioned in all of these sermon reviews that we talk about. But oftentimes it's as a side character or as simply an example or he's simply a good person with wise words and he's not the king the gospel is not presented uh, in a way that states that the kingdom of god is at hand this idea that there is this uh this fulfillment of prophecy of the old testament being done in which the god has come and to live among us um and then what we see throughout the Gospels of Jesus' teaching of what kingdom people look like, what kingdom people are supposed to do, and then his ultimate uh, death and resurrection and the proclamation that sin and death have been defeated. And then we see the early church go forward. Like we don't have any of those aspects in which we are called to, to repent and turn to Christ, to submit our preferences to him and to live as his people being changed in our mind and our heart. We, we don't hear that language. And that's important. Uh, language to hear because that is the distinctive message of the christian church that uh, that god has come and he has he has lived among us he has died in our place and he has made it to where we can have a right relationship with our creator again um so all that to say clearly all of that was missing in this message and, and again i just want to reiterate at the end here don't go bully these people don't go Um, ratio, their their likes, this this is not the point of these sermon reviews. The idea is to say, look, like this is out here, sermons like this exist, you need to be aware of that. But more importantly, you need to be aware of how to say, well, you know, to identify the unbiblical parts of this, so as to be able to speak to them, to friends and family that maybe hear something like this, and then come to you and say, well, I heard that Paul broke down the gender distinctions when he said there is no male or female. Well, no, that's not what Paul was doing, right? Or whenever you hear someone, you know, butcher the the prodigal son thing. And unless we know the cultural background of that story, or just at the very least how the story actually goes, um, we're not going to be able to speak to the fact that, you know, she blatantly read in to scripture um, a point that wasn't there in regards to transgenderism. So be aware that these types of things are out there. Uh know your your Bible so that you can sort of have discussions and speak to this and then be in prayer for people that believe this way because they are they are part of what I would consider a totally different religion, that it sounds the same, it looks similar, they use similar words, but it is entirely distinctively different. So that being said, guys, if you found this helpful, make sure you like it, make sure you share it, make sure if uh, you, know, you think I missed something or I'm off of something, leave it in the comment section below. I like the feedback. I love that ability to communicate with you guys. Hopefully this was helpful. I'll see you next week.